you standing next to you are your family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Happy One Chicago Day, everybody, and welcome to Meet Us at Molly's episode 14. Tonight, we are going to talk about Chicago Fire season six, episode five, called A Devil's Bargain. So just like always, we're going to start off with the news. We don't want to keep you too long today because there's a lot of news to keep up with on Twitter. Just, you know, we'll get through this together. Everybody stick together. So the one bit of news that we did get in the days between PD and Fire, we finally got the episode description for season three, episode one of Med. Bryna, please tell us what is ahead. Yeah, finally, we got the synopsis. Um, So yeah, so basically, um, I think kind of the biggest thing that's going to happen is obviously the doctors, you know, they're going to take their opinions to the extreme, apparently, as they try to bring justice to the guy who shot Dr. Charles. So finally, we're going to see what happened to poor Dr. Charles, who's bleeding out in the parking lot still all these months later. Um, Halstead and Manning are going to get to work on this heart-wrenching case that apparently forces them to examine their own matters of the heart. Um, In terms of Robin, because, you know, Robin finally got her brain tumor removed. Um, And even though she's going to be discharged from rehab, Dr. Rhodes is still kind of thinks her problems aren't completely dissolved. Rhodes also gets blindsided from his colleague, Dr. Bacar. Maggie's sticking up for a patient, which sounds awesome. Dr. Choi and April are trying to navigate this new working relationship. relationship. And then also Philip Winchester is going to guest star, which is super cool. And it's probably going to have to do a lot with the whole Dr. Charles thing. So yeah, there's a lot happening in that first episode of Med. They're back with a bang. I love it. Yeah, it. it all sounds super good, too, so very I cool. wonder if the Philip Winchester bit is going to kind of help him bridge over to SVU, because you know how he's going to Law & Order? Right, yeah. I guess he technically hasn't been in SVU yet, if he's still in Chicago? Question mark? I don't, yeah, I don't I don't think watch so. SVU enough to know, so, but I would assume that's the case. But yeah, I would guess so. And then the whole thing with Robin, so I guess Micaiah Cox is going to stick around a little bit? We don't know. Maybe for a couple. I mean, I guess she's going to guest star in a couple episodes, but I don't know. She can't stick around for long because she in another show. Yeah, she's on Once Upon a Time, which is already back in full swing. Right. And isn't she a full time or like a main character over there now? I believe so. Yeah. 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 I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Do either of you watch Once Upon a Time? No. Never seen it. The first couple seasons were great, and then after Elsa and Anna left, it just went pew. But that's just my opinion. Whatever. So (laughs) that's all we've got for the news, but it sounds like there's a lot going on. I'm pretty excited for Med to come back, so we'll see what's in store. And we've only got about, what, three weeks till it's back? Yeah, and I'm super excited for us to get, you know, some maybe some promo photos and, you know, actual promos. So, yeah, it'll be good. It will be good. So... All right, without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Once again, it's season six, episode five of Chicago Fire called A Devil's Bargain. This episode was kind of frustrating. If I could sum it up in one word, that's the word I would use because freaking everybody is fighting. What the hell is going on at the firehouse? Everybody is pissed at everybody. It's just kind of a mess. So as always, we break this down by storyline. And we will break it down. We will first begin with Stella and good old Hope. Blech. So the episode starts and Hope walks in and she hands everybody their paychecks. As in their physical, actual checks that they go to the bank and deposit. Like, are you telling me nobody in this firehouse uses direct deposit? I guess not. I mean, I don't know, to each one's own. But you would think somebody would use it. I mean, I work for my bank, and I still wouldn't do that. Going downstairs is just so much effort. (laughs) Yeah. But okay. Yeah, so Hope (laughs) hands everybody their paychecks, and conveniently, she forgot Stella's. Oopsies. So convenient. So convenient. So later on, after a call, because, you know, Stella's like, where the hell's my check? And Hope's like, oh, I'll fix it. Don't worry. Blah, blah, blah. And so a little later on, after a call, Kid and Brett talk to Hope. 
So they find out that Stella's check was issued, but just not mailed. But Stella is just calling bullshit. I mean, she can't actually say it, but she says it with her eyes. So Stella walks away, Hope's all upset, and she looks at Brett and she's like, she hates me and I have no idea why. Um, hi, I know. I know why. I can tell you why. Right here. Like, choose me. Yeah, I think it has to, you know, I think that reason starts with an S and ends with an Everide. I mean, I don't know, but that's just my guess. No clue what you're talking about, Bryna. No clue. I don't know. So Stella walks away. Hope brings some scrapbook of she and baby Brett, which I, I really, I mean, I, I thought yeah. that thing was stupid on my second watch. Like, wh- why is that in there? Like, they just kind of look through it and like, Hope's like, oh, yeah, like here, I found that my mom sent me some things from Fowlerton and here's his scrapbook and they look through it. And then that's like the end of the scene. And I'm just like, okay, like, why? Yeah, I think it was to show that she and hope go way back yeah and like they're still yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know it just like it could have been i i don't know not not a fan not a fan so gabby and stella go into the bathroom to talk about hope and they run into brett because they chose the ladies room guys there's only three women in this firehouse and you're gonna go to the one place where all three of you are likely to meet at the very same time Right. And literally for this whole conversation, does Brett have to be in her towel? Like, that's all I could think about in that moment on my first watch is why is Brett naked in her towel for this conversation? I didn't think about that. But yeah, good point. Why is she in a towel? Like, I mean, why couldn't she have just been like coming out of using the restroom and like been, you know, in her normal outfit, whatever, uniform, whatever we're calling it, and just like had the conversation? Like, why does she have to be coming out of the shower in a towel naked? Like, why? Well, and also, what happens if they get a call? Like, how does that work if Ambo gets a call while she's in the shower? You know, questions I've always thought about and never knew the answers. But I guess, I mean, I guess it's kind of just like you stop what you're doing and you go get dressed and you get in the ambulance and you go. Just interesting mystery i didn't think about that good catch brenna (laughs) (laughs) but yeah why it's kind of like when Lindsay was in her underwear in the finale was that truly necessary right yeah yeah so of course stella thinks that hope took the check as does the rest of the fandom and anybody else who does not live under a rock but sylvie of course gives her the benefit of the doubt The best part here is that Sylvie, our sweet little Sylvie, delivers quite the zinger when she just kind of rolls her eyes and goes, it's funny how your problems with Hope started right after she slept with Severide. Damn, girl. So proud. So (laughs) proud of Brett in this moment for that comment. Like, so good. You know Stella wanted to clap back and be like, excuse me, but she was just like, all right, gonna take the high road. Not gonna go there, but damn, girl. You go, Sylvie. (laughs) For real, though. It was good. Even though I'm not here for the whole Stella pining after Severide bit, but still, that was good. Yeah. So, you know, they kind of disperse, and Gabby tells Stella not to put Brett in the middle of this. So, I mean, I think that's a good start because there's already so much fighting going on elsewhere in the firehouse. I don't want the women fighting either. Like the one time or the second time in like show history that we get all three of them together and they're fighting just meh. for real. Yeah. So later on, Gabby and Stella are walking out of the firehouse together. Uh, they're wondering where Brett went. They don't quite know. Stella says that she'll apologize when hope recovers the check. Great moment here. Stella looks at Gabby and she goes, well, she should at least apologize for the Severide comment. And Gabby goes, I was kind of proud of her for that. And Stella just goes, yeah, me too. As were we all. Yeah, as were we all. So later on, you know, Stella's freaking out because money's tight. And if she doesn't get her check, then, you know, she can't make her car payment. She can't pay Severide the rent. You know what would fix this, though? Direct deposit. (laughs) Imagine that. So Severide gets home. He and Stella have a chat. You know, basically he walks in the door and Stella hands him a beer and it's like, hey, look, the Blackhawks game is on. I mean, if they're if if Severide needed any bigger of a sign that like, hey, you should probably be with Stella. I mean, that was a pretty like loud sign of like, hey, look, she's really good for you. So they sit down on the couch and Stella's kind of freaking out. and She's like, what's going to happen if I don't pay rent this month? And they have a sweet little friend moment. And Severide just says, you know, as long as you keep supplying the beer and the hockey, you can stay as long as you want. 
and Stella just tells him he's a good friend. Yeah, and I love this moment. I think, you know, it really did show how good of a friend Severide is. I mean, you know, Stella seemed really, like, genuinely scared that Severide was going to kick her out if she couldn't pay rent. And, I mean, it was just, it was just, like, kind of, for all the bad things that Severide does, you know, when it comes to women and, like, all these things, like, this, like, kind of... it for me not if not that I wasn't already a fan of him, but like it would have like redeemed me, redeemed him in my eyes. Like it was a very good moment for Severide. Yeah, they're such good friends together. I love that relationship between them. And I mean, there was one other thing in there. Like they tried to start talking about work because Stella was kind of stressed out about the Brett situation, and Severide was like, "Can we please just not talk about work right now? Sometimes you just gotta vent." So yeah, you know. Let her be. But otherwise, I mean, it's a great moment. They're good friends together. I love it. And I'm glad that he can be friends with somebody again, like almost on the same level that he was with Shay. Not to say that Shay and Stella are on the same level. They're not. But I'm glad to see that he can let himself be close to somebody like that again. For real. So fast forward and hey, look, it's a miracle. Hope comes through with the check. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. And so that's about how that storyline ends up. It kind of bleeds over into our next point, which is the whole deal with. Speaking of, I want to say, this. yeah, yeah. Speaking of hope, uh, speaking of hope, she isn't she back in Chicago? Like the actress that plays her is back in Chicago. I haven't seen. I know you said you saw something on social media the other day, right? Yeah, it was on Instagram. On her Instagram, she was back in Chicago. I don't know if she's filming for fire, but I'm going to guess that's what she's doing back. Oh, shit. Um. (laughs) Uh, Bryna, start us off about Brett, and I'll do some social media creeping. Yeah. So... I was had some high hopes for the Brett storyline. I mean, once I kind of saw how it was going to play out, I kind of figured that this is how it was going to go. But anyway, so in the middle of the episode, Brett and Gabby go on this call to a grocery store where they meet Dr. Pete Calhoun, who's a very handsome doctor. And I think handsome's kind of an understatement. He's fucking attractive as all hell. Like, he's so good looking. Um, who basically tries to help assist the woman who's in pain um before they arrive and they get the patient under control and they take her to the hospital and he kind of wants to overstep and but like he's also just trying to really flirt with brett is how this goes and it turns out brett does end up going on a date with him we see later on and he said he makes a comment about like the stalkerish way i tracked down your number through the cfd is you know, I thought it would be a turnoff for you, and that was like, okay, red flag number one. That should have been a turnoff for her. Right. Uh, I think it would have even been less stalkerish if he said, oh, I found you on Facebook. Like, I'm sure they have mutual friends. Like, you know, like, that's more 2017 normal than, like, let me go find your number through, like, yeah, it was weird. Anyway. We're presuming their date goes well because they're back outside of Brett's apartment, house, whatever, she, wherever she lives. And they're, like, making out on the sidewalk. And Dr. Calhoun gets a phone call, and he kind of steps away from her so she can't hear. And he's like, oh, I have to go back to the hospital. And she, you know, kind of understands, and they both make plans that they're going to see each other later, and that's the end of that. But red flag number two is that we don't hear the conversation, and neither does Brett. But, of course, she doesn't let that stop her. She's so giddy about life and him and, you know. Here's my question, though, because this guy came into the scene. I didn't have any suspicions off the bat. Did you guys? Oh, no. No, because we were like, oh, God, he's so handsome. No. Yeah. I mean, I think the only suspicions I had is that, like, he's not Antonio, so he's not going to last that long. Like, if he lasted two episodes, I'd be surprised. But, like. You know, I never, I didn't think this was going to be a significant relationship for her, so I knew something was going to happen. But no, I didn't think it was going to be what it is. Um, so then Gabby and Brett go and stop by Lakeshore to see him, which literally, lol, I forgot Lakeshore Hospital was even a thing until this episode because Med obviously took over and that's that. But Lakeshore was a thing in the beginning, um, you know, before Med existed. Um, but turns out, you know, Brett, you know, is talking to the front desk clerk and she's like, oh, can I see Dr. Calhoun? Is he here? And she's like, yeah, I'll page him. So the front desk 
Clark pages him, and when she sees him, he's like, Brett, what are you doing here? And he's like, she's like, oh, we were getting supplies, and I wanted to see you. And then, of course, the front desk attendant tells him that his wife is on the phone. So turns out Dr. Calhoun is married, and Brett went on a date with a married man. Ah, facepalm. So, yeah. And so then afterwards, like, Brett and Gabby are back at the ambulance, and they're putting their supplies away, and Brett's clearly upset, and Gabby just points out that she tends to see the best in people and kind of just ignores the rest, which I get that, obviously, like, and Gina has in our in our outline that, you know, this is when a light bulb goes off in Sylvie's head, so, like, obviously, I get that that's why they kind of made Gabby say that, you know, to plant the seed that she should confront Hope later on, but, like, I don't think you can say that... Brett not thinking about the fact that this guy could have, like, be married. Like, no one would think that someone they're dating is married. Like, that's not something you just automatically assume. Like, he did nothing wrong that proved to Brett that, oh, maybe I should be suspicious about this guy. Like, I just didn't like the way that Gabby said that about, like, this situation. Well, but and I see, I see what you're saying, but in this day and age you go on a date and you kind of vet the person a little bit beforehand, don't you? I mean... Yeah, no, for sure. But, like, what? I mean, you know, there are people out... I mean, not many, but there are people who don't have social media. Like, you can't just assume that, like, everybody's the worst person. No, but, you know, you also have to keep your guard up. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's just, like, in terms... In this context, it was, like, uh, it's okay. But I understand that they were trying to make the point to get Sylvie to, like, go confront Hope about pretty much the same thing, which she does towards the end of the episode. So Sylvie goes and confronts Hope about kind of why the whole situation with Stella's check happened and did she actually make the situation up just so she could make herself look better. And Hope swears that she wouldn't. Um, And Sylvie kind of is like, okay, and kind of just accepts it. And then she leaves and Hope takes out Stella's original check and throws it in the shredder. Okay, this confused me to death because remember the whole part about Connie saying she's a casual criminal who committed just a casual felony and took $10,000? So I would think that she's a little more sophisticated than just taking the original check and shredding it solely for attention. I thought she wanted to commit some sort of check fraud. So this is why I was so confused. I was like, why would you shred the check if you got the other one reissued? Maybe I put a little bit more, a little bit too much faith into Hope. Right. Well, I think that's what we all would have thought was that, you know, especially as soon as like you hear Stella's checks gone missing, you're like, oh, of course, it's got to be um, Hope stealing it because she already did pretty much the same thing and in, in back home, whatever. But like after rewatching it, I kind of think it solely has to be for the attention because... Earlier in the episode, which I missed on the first watch, but when I was rewatching it, Gabby has a line in the bathroom scene about how Hope couldn't have done anything with Stella's check anyway because payroll had already put a stop on it. So even if she had gone and tried to, like, cast the check, like, they would have caught her. That's true. They would have. And so, like, if she didn't do it pretty much immediately right away, which was her dumbass fault, if she, for not whatever. But so she basically missed out on her chance if it was solely for money. And so, but then it's like, if it is for attention, you know, that's a really long and thought out plan just to get someone who's never going to like you to thank you. For real. She, she went through a lot of trouble here to make this situation happen, which pretty much indicates that there's something way bigger at play. She's got some issues that if she and Brett go way back, I would hope that Brett would have picked up on by now. But, you know, I guess that kind of is why we had this story to show Brett that not everything is as rosy as it seems. Yeah. No, but yeah, so that's the end of the Brett stuff for this episode. So I did creep on Instagram while we were just talking about that. And all I could find, because, sorry, I'm not that good of a creeper. Ashley, you're good at these things, not me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Eloise left Chicago yesterday, yesterday being Sunday. Or Saturday. Now I'm confused. We record on Sunday, so she left Chicago on Saturday. Eloise but so watched. she was recently there. Like, yes. 
Yes, and she was in like a trailer thing in like a makeup chair. I've seen those two pictures. Oh, she's fucking. I think she, I thought she was filming a new project, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Eloise, we're not stalking you. I promise. We're just. It's not you. It's Hope. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nothing against you, Eloise. Like at all. But if she left yesterday, then she couldn't be filming that big of a scene. If she's filming for fire. Why? Well, that'd be like one day. Oh. She filmed for one day. She filmed one scene and was done. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't even know what episode they're up to, but we know obviously that would mean that if she was filming for fire, she's going to be back after the winter finale next week. So face palm for real. I want her to be gone. Also, did you guys catch the moment when she's like, she's going around the, uh, it's not the bullpen. What is it? Like their common room in the firehouse. I want to call it the bullpen, but that's PD. And, uh, (laughs) she just kind of does that flirty little thing. And she's like, here, Kelly. I just hope that's far. Yeah, bar. bar. Leave him alone. Just leave him alone. Walk away. Just everyone so, leave Severide alone. Like, that's, like, the moral of this episode. Just leave Severide alone. It really is, though. <laughs> you funny. too, that's Casey. True. Yeah, you too, Casey. But we'll get there. You just wait, Casey. <laughs> We've got, like, two pages of outline dedicated to you. So... <laughs> Before we get there, let's talk about Otis, because there was a pretty funny sub-story here involving him. We start the episode, Mouch says something about he's contemplating giving up bacon to be more healthy, but Trudy has two rules, and I only caught one part of it. I don't know if you caught both rules, but it was no something and then no vegetarians. I don't remember. Yeah, it was funny, but we I can't remember what it is. Ashley, do you remember? Damn it. So... <laughs> They're talking and Otis says something about because Brett or one of the girls is basically like, yeah, well, you can add sandals to that list. So Otis says, well, if we were to make a list like that for the women, you guys would be pissed, which means, of course, the girls take the bait. They're like, no, Otis, like, do tell what is what is on this list. Tell us. And Cap and Tony and Herman and everybody behind him are making notions like, don't do it. Don't do it. It's a trap. And he just kind of weasels out of it, which is good. Because I was sitting there and I was like, if you say leggings, I will riot. Like, I'm throwing down the remote and walking out of the room. Don't you dare. But he he took the bait and he fell in. But, you know, he backed out of it very nicely. It was pretty amusing. In the middle of their shift, they get a delivery. And it's this giant ass box from who knows where. Otis says that he ordered something from Osaka that he calls the future. Anytime Otis says something that he hypes up, it's never good or it's always going to end in like some sort of really funny disaster. We find out later that he signed up with a manufacturer in Japan to beta test what is called the Rescue Pal. Now, the Rescue Pal looks like a kid's toy that you would buy in the children's aisle at Target. Literally, it looks like one of those toys that kids sit on and like start riding around just like their house. Yeah, I I think when they showed it, I was like, is that a choo-choo train? <laughs> what is that? So Casey was already pissed because Otis didn't run him by it, run it by him. Yeah, um, and there's a really great line in the scene, you know, and they're talking about like Otis is like, yeah, this machine is literally gonna change everything. And Mouch is like, yeah, like putting this out of a job. And Herman's like, yeah, like and Herman said something else really funny, which I didn't catch, and I forgot what to write it down, but and they're just like, yeah, of course. Like, it's going to literally run us out of a job if it is as good as you say it is. So funny. So yeah. later on, because Otis can't give this up. Like, Casey's pissed. Truck is like, the hell did you do? Otis mentions that it costs, like, 9 million yen. I never right. got around to converting that, but I imagine it's not a cheap I'm gonna number. I'm going to convert that right now. Okay. So later on, because Otis can't give this up, Otis sets a really small bucket on fire to test out the robot. Which is so funny because as soon as everybody from truck sees this, they're like, Otis, dude. He's like, no, I got this. Don't worry. And of course, it ends in disaster. The machine only speaks Japanese. Otis cannot work the remote control, which is some sort of iPad. And when he does finally tell it to go, it charges right into the bucket and knocks it over, which makes the fire slightly worse. So he finally figures it out. Stella and Herman get the fire extinguisher. And when they finally figure it out, it's hilarious. So it winds up and then it goes to like shoot whatever it shoots. And it's just like, poof, it's <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's it's pretty much just like shooting 
dish soap out of like a water gun if if there's any other way to describe it it's yeah also heads up okay so i looked this up nine million japanese yen equals seventy nine thousand one hundred seventy five dollars and eighty eight cents otis bro some people make less than that in a year yeah where did he get all that money I don't think he actually had to pay the money. I think that's just like if something went wrong and they like mess up this equipment and maybe because maybe he has to return it since it is just like a beta test that like that's what he would have to pay. I don't think he probably had to pay that up front. Shit. But that's yeah. crazy. Now <laughs> I can understand why he's so upset about no one messing with this toy. Yeah, for sure. Toy being the key word. It's a yeah. lot of money. So, Robot, whatever. Yeah. Later on, Otis is trying to figure out where to store it, and he wants to store it in their food locker. Herman's freaking out. Cruz is like, what the hell are you doing? Casey walks in, and, you know, we're going to get into Casey in a minute, but he's, of course, just like, this. just don't even bother me with this. Later on, Casey's running drills, and Otis comes out late. He basically pleads to Casey about handling the situation because what happens is they come back for the next shift and <laughs> they arrive for the next shift and somebody has covered this poor robot in lollipops. I don't know where the idea for lollipops came from. I don't know who did it, but poor Otis is just beside himself. He comes out when they're doing drills and he pleads to Casey to handle the situation and Casey kind of blows a gasket just and again we're going to get into Casey but basically he's like you know suck it up go do the drill I'm going to ship the robot back to China and I think the whole fandom at this point was like hey it's Japan you get it right. (laughs) For real though like just stop picking on everyone Casey like I know we're gonna get into this in like next but like fucking Casey I know I know so Herman tries to go all Herman on the situation he tries to talk to Casey and the whole storyline ends with Herman and Mouch telling him that you know they did talk to Casey and Otis can keep the robot as long as he never sends it into a working fire Otis at this point is like, well, that defeats the purpose. But Herman and Mouch kind of tease him and are like, no, we can use it for so many other things. And then Herman uses it as like a stepladder to get into the truck. So pretty funny. It was just kind of a roundabout way of showing that, you know, I guess sometimes Otis feels underappreciated. Yeah. And this was his way of trying to show that he's useful. It was cute. And the robot is pretty funny. It was good humor. For this episode, which is so frustrating on so many levels, that, like, anytime it was, like, a scene dealing with Otis and this robot, I was like, good, because I need this right now. Yeah, it was good, because everybody was freaking fighting. The worst. Ashley, what do you think about the robot storyline? It was funny, like, she said, put the humor into the storyline when everybody was so aggravating. Yeah, yeah. It was good. It was good, good, good. So... We wanted to get the bulk of the episode out of the way so that we could devote a good chunk of time to talking about Captain Casey. And I say Captain Casey with, like, dread because this The fucking worse. The fucking worse. This episode, like, I don't know how you guys feel about this, if you agree or not, but this episode was not one of my favorite. It's, it's probably one of my least favorites because Casey is such an asshole the entire time. Right. I definitely think it's probably my least favorite of the ones of this season and probably just of the series in general, but like definitely of the season is probably my least favorite. Yeah. So freaking. And it's just because it's just because of cat, like because of the way Casey and like he acts and just like, it's not that like the rest of the story wasn't good. And like, I think it did a really good job of like building up tension for this mid season finale, winter finale, whatever we're calling it next week. So I think in that case, like I thought it was good, but like, Fucking Captain Casey is the fucking worst human I've ever met. Like, god damn it. I don't like how when, you know how when he gets angry, it's only when somebody tries to hurt somebody he loves. I like that part of him. I don't like how when he gets stressed, he just becomes a total ass. Right. And I also think, and I mean, we're going to talk about like the tension between Casey and Severide. But I also think like when they, when there is good tension when they're fighting, it's because, you know, they're working towards something and, you know, they're working, you know, 
there's a goal in mind and like they're just working towards something and yeah they might disagree on how to get there but like they're working towards a goal here casey thinks it's about like severide like not being able to handle out him out ranking him and just like casey's ego is getting a big bruise and it's just like you're a fucking asshole yeah and his ego's not getting bruised because of anybody else he's bruising his own ego right Right, he thinks that everyone cares about his ego and, you know, what his promotion and blah, blah. And, like, no one actually fucking cares. They care if you're a good leader or not you're doing your job. And in this case, you didn't do your job. Thank you for the win. So the episode starts and Casey is basically whining to Dawson about all this new work he has to do. Poor baby. Let me play the world's tiniest violin. Ugh. Chuck and Ambo get a call and basically they find out that an attempted break-in went wrong and the would-be robber is hanging off the side of the building wrapped in barbed wire. Okay, do you remember a couple episodes back that we had this conversation about sometimes these rescues happen that I'm like, how the hell did you get yourself into this situation? Yeah, like I don't understand with this one. First of all, unless I guess you're on the second floor, why are you attempting to go... You're a robber. Why the fuck are you attempting to get off the roof? Like, you're going to fall off the roof and die. Like, that's pretty much where this is going to go. That roof is not low to the ground. Second of all, how did you not see all of that barbed wire? It's not like it was just, like, one piece hanging around and you got yourself caught on it. Like, it's a fucking ton of barbed wire. Like, how did you not see that before you jumped or whatever you're going to do to get yourself caught in it? Right. I'm wondering, I mean, was he on drugs and thinking he was maybe Spider-Man? Right, and it's not even, like, I feel like a lot of times when people, like, jump from roof to roof in movies and TV shows and whatever, like, the buildings are super close together, so, like, there's not place really where they can fall. There is no other buildings around this building. Like, this guy's a fucking idiot. Yeah, and why was the barbed wire on top of the building? Right, it made it seem it was almost like, one of those big like army wall kind of things where they're like super tall and they have like all the barbed wire and there's usually like a post like on it's yeah i just have so many questions and there is the moment where they do cut down the post but then it's like why is there a barbed wire wall on the roof of this building and if you're trying to get away why did you jump through it (laughs) yeah it was weird i have so many questions So this guy's wrapped in barbed wire hanging off the side of this building because that's what you do. You know, it's just casual. Sunday fun day. Just hanging off the side of the building wrapped in barbed wire. Casey is like, oh, shit. And he calls squad. So squad rolls up like they own the place. It's pretty great. It's kind of like when PD rolls up on the crossover and you're like, shit's getting real. Squad rolls up and Casey and Severide differ in how to get the victim down. Oh, here we go. Casey wants Truck to get him down and then for Squad to disentangle him on the ground. Severide wants to leave him where he is, disentangle him, and then bring him down. Now, I don't know anything about rescues and barbed wire and these kind of situations. Maybe you guys do. But to me, Severide's plan sounds a lot more sound. Yeah, I just like... Severide's trained in this for a reason. He's on squad for a reason. Why the fuck did you bring in squad if you don't expect to go with what squad suggests? Like, if you really just wanted more manpower, you could have gotten that by calling in a different truck company. Yeah, absolutely. But you called in fucking rescue squad. You you, you called in squad. I mean, you know. So Severide is making really good points. He's spewing so much wisdom in this moment. He's like, hey, homeboy's wrapped in barbed wire. And do you see that one that's really close to his inner thigh? We should probably leave him where he is because it's probably really effing close to his femoral artery. Casey doesn't give a shit. So Severide's trying to reason with him and make all these good points. And everything is making sense to the point that even the fans are like, we are experts in this situation. Go with Severide's plan. But uh, Casey throws a hissy fit and he's basically like, I'm making the call. And Severide's like, whatever, Captain. Casey didn't even listen to him. Did not even listen to him. Also, is it me? But I mean, disentangling the wires pretty much sounds like something that truck could do. I mean, I can work wire cutters. If I can work them, I would imagine truck could, right? Yeah. And so like I'm saying is 
if you called in squad for their expertise on how to rescue someone from dangerous situations that aren't just solely fire, which is what squad is trained to do, then why the fuck aren't you listening to squad's expertise? Yeah, and it kind of shows, it goes back to what we were talking about, how Casey's the one bruising his own ego. I think the promotion is going to Casey's head and he doesn't realize it. Right, just because Casey's technically outranks Severide in, like, the chain of command doesn't mean that when it comes to situations dealing with, like, Squad and Truck that Casey outranks Severide. Like, Severide is still a lieutenant for Squad. Like, Casey has no business dealing with Squad shit. So, like, when it comes to Squad issues, which is what this is, I mean, it's a rescue Squad mission essentially now. There's no fire. He should listen to Severide and not... It's just... I can't even... I know. I can't. I know. And this scene started and I was like, all right, Casey just got his panties in a wad. It'll work itself out through the episode. I was wrong. Very wrong. They bring him down and then they disentangle him. And then guess what starts bleeding? His femoral fucking artery. (laughs) Called it. Called it. They get him wrapped up. They take him to med. Casey looks at Severide and is like, hey, nice work. And Severide's like, are you fucking kidding me? No. And he walks away. So Casey sees the robot. He throws the hissy fit. He's like, you didn't, you know, he's like, you didn't run this by me and you should have. And he just doesn't even care about the robot. He goes to talk to Severide. And of course, again, Casey's acting like everything's normal, but Severide is not here for his bullshit. And it is fantastic. Casey stops in his office and Severide laces into him. But it's not like Severide's lashing out or being immature. Severide is dropping straight up knowledge, just knowledge, facts, Points as to why he was right. He's bolstering his argument with every turn. And Casey just, again, is it's falling on deaf ears. So some of the great things that Severide says here. He goes, what's the point of asking me for your expertise if you're just going to pull rank and make me do things your way? Truth. Truth bomb number one. Next time he says, well, I've never seen a good leader ignore an expert opinion just because he could. Okay, friendly reminder here that Kelly Severide is really fucking smart. Yeah. Friendly reminder. I love that line because, yeah, he's, I mean, he's not afraid to call his best friend out and say, hey, you're being a dick. Right. And then, yeah, and then Casey follows it up and he's like, I wasn't looking for an assessment of my leadership abilities. No, you weren't. But you need one. Yeah, you need one. And if you're going to get one from anybody, at least let it be from your best friend who clearly has your best interests in mind. Right. And like you said, he's also fucking smart. Like, TBH, remember that time Severide took a leadership course? Like, he knows how to be a leader. He took a leadership course that he didn't even need to take because apparently we are the only people who realize that he's a good leader and really fucking smart. Yeah, pretty much just like this moment. Like, not that I wasn't already Team Severide before this, but like, hashtag Team Severide for life. And I felt bad that they had set it up this way where it was Severide versus Casey. Like, I hate... When they pit Severide and Casey against each other just because, uh, same team. I also so I hated it. so much how that made it into their PR for this episode. Yeah. Like, I get it. Like, this was a contention for the episode. It was a way to, like, get people talking. But, like, we did not need a whole hashtag Casey versus Severide going on. Like, no. Yeah, no, it, we it, didn't it was, at like, all. I cringe. I was like, what the? No. I know. Ashley, what'd you think of this whole Casey versus Severide crap? I was aggravated. Like, so aggravated. Like, I couldn't even deal anymore. I was just frustrated with the whole thing. Yeah, and you know how we get pissed off when shows will pit female characters against each other? That's kind of how I feel about this for Casey and Severide. I don't like it. You know, they might have professional disagreements because, you know, it's just in the line of work, but they always get over it because they're friends. And this time they were just hyping it up so much that I was like, stop. Right. It's just not, no. Right. And I was going to say, like, you. I guess you could go back and say, well, like, if someone, like, really doesn't like the two of them and, like, their friendship, you could be like, well, at the core of the show, you know, in the very first few episodes, you know, Casey and Severide were fighting. So they're really technically en- enemies. But, like, we've come so far from that moment that, you know, these two are best friends and, like, it's just, like, this isn't the show we want. Like, we don't want them fighting. Like, it's not – they don't work well when they're not, like, being friends. And, like, it's yeah. – Yeah, and when they're fighting, the whole firehouse suffers because neither of them thinks clearly. Yeah. 
I'm just glad we didn't get a secondary, like, another case after this. Like, I'm glad they didn't get called back out, or at least that we saw, and then they had to deal with each other, and then they were fighting while they were trying to make us just like, that would not have ended well. No, not at all. So what does Casey do here after Severide basically drops the truth on him and he throws a hissy fit? He goes and narks to Bowden. How old are you, Casey? How old are you? Yeah, I literally think I screamed at my TV, like, what the fuck are you doing? And, like, threw things. Like, no. Right. And so Casey's like, oh, I had some friction with Severide. He challenged me on a call. He basically hypes it up and over-dramatizes it to make it sound like Severide is the worst human being. And Casey's like, you know, I need you to deal with this. You need to talk to him. And I think it's hard for him to accept the new dynamic. I think you're full of shit, Captain Casey. Right, like, what stick does Casey have up his ass? And I think one of my biggest issues with the way that he's acting is that he doesn't even really like his new promotion. Like, he's always complaining about the work and this and that. So, like, it's not, like, stop rubbing it in everyone else's face because you don't even like it, first of all. And, like, stop acting like you're so fucking high and mighty now. You don't even like the new power. You hate it. Exactly, exactly. And Severide does not have a problem with it. Severide is your best friend He's going to support you. Remember the time that Gabby got stuck the first time Med blew up and Severide didn't say a word and was like, if Casey's going in the rubble, so am I. This is the same person. Right, and it's not like Severide can't get there himself. Like, he will get there one day. He just doesn't want it now, which I don't blame him. I mean, I don't even think I'd want it at all. But, like, it's not that Severide can't get there himself. Right. He'll get there when he wants to. Right. Like, that's literally what it is at this point. Like, he could probably be captain tomorrow if he goes and takes whatever test or whatever he had to do. Like, he could get it done so soon. Right. He just doesn't right. want to. Ugh, so frustrating. So, Bowden speaks for the whole fandom in this moment. And he's like, you need to suck it up and deal with it. Otherwise, you will not like my solution. Which does seem a little harsh. However, it's totally needed in this moment because Casey just needs to pull his head out of his ass. Yeah. So later on, Casey meets Severide at Molly's, and I did laugh a little bit at this because I love how Casey was like, I'm going to go have a friendly beer. And Severide's like, oh, hell no. I'm about to set you straight again. So they're sitting there together, and Casey's all, yay, beer's with my bestie. And Severide's like, my call was better. You were wrong. Let me splay out all of these reasons why. And he goes old school. I've like clipped an article out of a newspaper and hands it to Casey. And it's like, this is what's happening. Now the victim's going to lose his leg. You fucked up. I love that so much. It's so good. It's so good. And so there's another line here where, again, Casey's just got his head super far up his ass. And Casey goes, are you just miffed because I got my captain's bugles before you? No, he doesn't give a shit that you got your captain's bugles. Actually, none of us give a shit that you got your captain's bugles. You are the only one who cares. Right, and I think in this moment, it's just like, damn, Casey, like, you know, Severide's talking about the fact that the victim's going to lose his leg, and you're talking about you again. Like, not everything is about you. No. Ah, Ashley, thoughts? I am just loving sitting here and hearing y'all rant. Y'all are just saying it all and just going on and on and all of it. Well, Casey's just so much better than this. Oh, it just, oh, it just drives me crazy. Same, same. So Casey storms out of Molly's like he just had a fight with his girlfriend. I don't know. He's like, oh, no, you're at fault. And then he just like slams down his beer and leaves because he's an idiot. I do have one point. I really hope they do not keep making him like this through the rest of the season. Amen. Right. Can Is there a way to demote someone? Like, can we go back like and like demote him back to lieutenant? Because like I'd be down for that. See, okay, and this is a point that I had brought up later in the outline, but we'll just scoot it up to now since we're talking about it. I did not realize that there was going to be a trade-off here, and it was either Matt remains a lieutenant and is the Matt we know, or Matt becomes a captain and becomes a complete asshole. I didn't realize there was going to be a trade-off here, and if I had known that this was going to be a brand new Matt who we absolutely hate, I probably would have wanted him to stay a lieutenant. With that said, though... I really don't, I really hope they're not setting this up to be another cop-out where like, like with Gabby's pregnancy, when they got her pregnant and we, the whole, the whole thing that sucked us in was like, how are they going to manage this? And then she miscarried and that was it. 
now that we're in this situation, let's find a way out of it. Don't cop out and have him be demoted. Have him figure out a way to not be a dick and still be Casey and still be a captain. Yeah. I'd even take Alderman Casey back at this point. Like, at least Alderman Casey wasn't an asshole. Yeah, I would take that too. And when he was stressed as an alderman, he didn't lash out like this. Or he did, but it was like to a lesser degree. Right. It was him more like venting about his situation, not like, I'm going to be an asshole to everyone around me. So, and it keeps going. He's not done. (laughs) Hurricane Casey is not done. Ramon is over at Gabby and Matt. And Ramon and Gabby are catching up. They seem to be on good terms. They're happy. They're laughing. They're talking. Casey comes home and Casey comes home in a bitchy mood because of course he does. So Casey sits down. He's talking about the Severide situation and Dawson's just kind of playing devil's advocate. She's like, okay, well, did you hear Severide out? You know, he had some good points too. And Casey's like, well, are you siding with him? What are you doing? And so Ramon tries to defend Gabby in the slightest of ways. He's just like, I don't think that's what Gabby was saying. And Casey tells Ramon that he's over his opinion. Are you fucking crazy? Gabby's yeah. pissed. Yeah. I, is Casey drunk at this point? Like, it seems like he just let the alcohol get to him and be like, I'm just going to, you know, I try to keep myself, like, my mouth shut around you, Ramon, but, like, I'm not, I'm just going to come out and say it. And I was just like, but that wasn't right. Like, uh, yeah. Everyone's it's not pissed. right. To, yeah. It's not right to be coming home to your wife drunk. It's not right to be talking back to your father-in-law. And it's not right to be questioning your wife's motives. Like, or questioning your wife like that and being like, oh, well, what are you doing? Like, are you defending him? Not right. Nope. No. Gabby gets pissed, as she does. Uh, Brenda, were you going to say something? I'm sorry. Nope. Okay, so Gabby's pissed. And she yells at him, as she should. I just kind of wanted to piggyback there and be like, yeah, yeah, what Gabby said. And Gabby's like, he's not the enemy, neither am I, and she storms away. And so before the scene is over, Casey goes, oh, so everyone is right and I'm wrong? Yes, Casey, everyone is right, and you are very, very wrong. Exactly what's going on. Later on, Casey talks to Severide at the squad table of all places. Like, you're coming onto his turf. Really? Okay. This is kind of towards the end of the episode. Casey goes and clears out the squad table and sits with Severide. And it looks like they're finally going to have their bro moment of like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. Let's go have cigars and hug it out. Oh, no. It goes terribly wrong. So Casey keeps the article and he tells Severide that, you know, he had to choose between being cautious and being fast. And he chose being fast. That is completely contrary to what you do, Casey. Because that's being a good leader right there. No. 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 Not. Not good. So, yeah, again, it looks like they're finally going to make up. But then Casey tells Severide that he can't have him bucking the chain of command. Sever, or not Severide, Casey, what is wrong with you? Are you kidding me right now? Just continuous eye rolls right here. Yeah, just eye rolls over and over and over and the same expletives playing in my head over and over and over. And then, because Casey's not done and he just wants to shove his head further up his ass, he's like, I don't expect you to be thrilled by my rank, but you need to respect it. Okay. All right. Sit down, Casey. It is time for you to learn. Okay. Severide is your best friend. Your best friend. It is completely messed up to assume that he doesn't have your back or he doesn't respect your rank. Part of being a leader is respecting other people's opinions. And right now you are being a straight up dictator. Dictator. Yeah, if I haven't made this clear already, I fucking hate Captain Casey. I'm with you. I second this. Ashley? I think we all do. It's not good. Yeah, no. It's Yeah, it's not good. I just can't believe that he, like, he keeps throwing his rank around. Casey, nobody cares. Do what Severide does and lead by example. Yeah. I'm just so over him being like this. He's so aggravating. Yeah, and he's really only been like this for one episode, and it's already weighing on us this much. So, right, I and mean, I can't even imagine, like, now that you say the whole thing that obviously Severide leads by example, like, I can't even imagine if... Severide was in Casey's position and like Severide was the one like lashing out at people like 
what no one would be taking that well. I mean, no one's already taking it that well with Casey, but like Severide, the reaction to Severide would be 20 million times worse. It really would. And if Severide had gone to Bowdoin and been like, this is happening with Casey, Bowdoin probably would have brushed him off. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're right. It would. It, it's a total. Yeah. It would have been worse with Severide. Hypocritically Just, so, but yeah. Very hypocritically so. Bowdoin probably would have assumed that something was going on and told Kelly to get it together. Yeah. Oh, my God. Casey's just the golden boy here, and it's just not good. Well, not necessarily, though, because Bowden did tell him to get his shit together. So I take that back. I'm just mad about Captain Casey. Yeah. So the episode ends with some sort of weird therapy sesh with Bowden. Casey and Bowden are, like, having drinks or something. I don't know. And Casey is just like, well, Severide's just got to get used to it. You know, we're still friends, but I don't think we're going to be going on any fishing trips anytime soon. I don't know if you're still going to be friends if this keeps up like this. You might want to maybe... Deal with that. Deal with that. Yeah. Deal with it. And he asks how Bowdoin balances it all. And Bowdoin points out, this is kind of a moment that struck me slightly odd. So Bowdoin's like, do you notice how I don't have many friends and I'm on my third marriage? When he mentioned the whole thing about the third marriage, I was like, the fuck are you saying, Bowdoin? Don't drag Donna into this. Yeah. Don't drag Donna into this and do not do any foreshadowing with Dossie. You stay away from Dossie. Right. And like, those things, I mean, yes, obviously the job weighs on Bowden. Like we've made, like they've made that clear. But your marriage is not like your marriages are not solely to blame on the fact of the job. Like your marriages didn't work out because they didn't work out, and the job contributed to that. Right, right. It's a matter of you know choosing your own actions and choosing your attitude. And so if Casey chooses to be a dick in every facet of his life going forward, then, then yeah. obviously. It's not yeah, going to do well in his personal life. But, you know, yeah, it. I hated the fact that Bowdoin Kama blamed everything on the job. Like, the job is part of it. It is not the sole reason. Exactly. The job is part of it. Yeah. And he says, you know, he drops some, like, cliche lines. He's like, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. And then he says, you know, the life of a leader is a minefield. Okay, but Casey's been a leader before. He's a leader as lieutenant. And he seemed to do fine there. Right, like, is Captain, you're not, like, chief. Like, is Captain really that much? And, I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about ranks. If if this is true, then, like, someone tell us, like, let us know on Twitter or email or whatever. But, like, is Captain really that much more of a responsibility that, like, it's that much a difference when it becomes, when it comes to being a leader? I don't know. Yeah, I'm going like, to Google this once we're done. Could, yeah, I don't know. We need to start a list of things we need to Google. I know. And this needs to be second behind that Vietnamese dish from Fire. Or PD, sorry. I know. I'm getting on that. <laughs> so, yeah. And I just, if they're both going to sit there and bitch about their leadership responsibilities, like, I don't want to say, like, why be in that position. I get it. Yeah, I get it. But, like, you know, at some point you've got to step back and be thankful for what you do have. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just, in terms of the Casey Severide stuff, like, I'm really curious to see, because I know from the episode description for next week's episode, or this week, whatever, the next episode, the finale, that Casey and Severide are apparently supposed to be, like, working together to go dig into what happened with Stella and why she got kicked off of truck or whatever that whole thing is. And so they're supposed to, like, they both kind of see that something went like wrong or someone something's not right and so they go kind of investigating what actually happened together so like i'm curious to see how that all goes and how that plays out yeah they need to figure it out and by they i mean casey needs to figure it out because i feel like severide was completely in the right here oh for sure hashtag team severide hashtag team yeah definitely Hashtag Team Severide. <laughs> right along with our uh, hashtag Jay Halstead deserves better, damn it. Hashtag give Outwater yeah. a love interest 2017. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag the fucking couch. <laughs> Still my best moment. Still the best moment, yes. So after Bowden is all trying to spew wisdom and really just scaring the shit out of us, Casey makes up with Gabby and pretty much only makes up with her by saying, let's go get breakfast. 
Mm. Yeah, where were the point, words I'm, really, I'm sorry? Like, where were the words I'm sorry? Right. Where, yeah, start off with that instead of let's go get breakfast. I don't want to go get breakfast with somebody who just insulted my father like that. No. Right. And I surely don't want my father to be subjected to it again and come along for breakfast. Exactly. And so by this point, they make up, but I really don't care. He spent the entire episode being a major asshole. And if Severide won't let him forget it, Gabby shouldn't either. Yup. Preach, Gina. I get that they're husband and wife and, you know, forgiveness and all that lovey-dovey stuff. But sometimes you just got to set somebody straight. Yep. I don't know. Ugh. This was a very frustrating episode. And I echo what you said, Bryna. It was probably my least favorite of the season. Not to say that, you know, the writing wasn't good or anything. It was still an entertaining story. I just didn't like it because Casey was such a jackass. Right. And it's not even just like, oh, he was a jackass for one part of it. Like, in terms of dealing in the moment of the case. Like, he was a jackass for the whole, like, 42 minutes. It was a long, painstaking 42 minutes. That's why I hope this story doesn't continue the rest of the season. I I don't even want it to continue for next episode. Let alone the whole season. God, I hope He's got to figure out a way to be a nice captain. Because, I mean, we all wanted this promotion for him. But not at this cost. No. Not at all. It's the worst. Anyway, so next week we have the winter finale. Um, Have you guys seen the promo? I have seen the promo. Have you? Yes, I finally watched it because I seem to somehow miss the promos this week. And I just happened to. Okay. I know we talk a lot about this, how they're ending. You know, the episodes end at like, you know, at my time on Eastern Standard Time. It's like 1057. So then they go to commercial and I like look at my computer or my phone or whatever. And then I literally somehow miss the promos every single time. But I have watched it now. You guys should see our group text every week. It consists of Bryna being like, oh, shit, I missed it again. (laughs) Yeah. Like both, not even just fire, like PD and fire. I literally miss it every single fucking time. You don't have the rewind button on your TV remote? No. No, I don't. (laughs) Unfortunately. I do. And I will say this in your defense, though. I do miss the days when they would end the episode and immediately show the promo. Now you got to work for it. Because every time in commercials, I either like turn the thing on mute so because I don't really like commercials or I like look at my phone or I switch the channels or whatever like I don't do commercials so like I'm gonna miss the promo if it's like interrupted by yeah it's not that great yeah but anyway I have caught up now I've seen the promo (laughs) it's Casey versus Severide and Bryna versus the commercials (laughs) actually though (laughs) but actually though it's so funny. So yeah, the the promo, I mean, we'll talk about it quick. It's like blink and you miss it. So again, I see how you can miss it, Bryna. This promo was really, really tiny. Um, I, somebody, or Bowden says something about somebody being transferred out of 51. They show Stella. I think we know that that's an issue in this episode. And it's a bunch of dramatic voiceover hyping up that it's the fall finale and bad stuff is happening. And the promo basically ends with Sylvie and Gabby on a call. And I think they're on a train platform. And wait, that is Stella and Stella. Yeah, you forgot about the Stella and kiss. Because it was so fast. (laughs) I know, but like, it's like the biggest part of the whole fucking promo. It is. It's true. It's true. Yes, there is like a nanosecond where Stella turns around and kisses Severide, to which I say, Finally, Ayo, it took you long enough. Sorry, I missed that. But yes, it ends with Gabby and Sylvie on a call. And they're I think they're on a train platform. And Gabby's looking down at something in sheer horror. And we don't know what. And that is the promo. What do you guys think? Dear God, if we have to go another, like, essentially two months and have, like, some fucking cliffhanger, I'm going to lose my shit next week on next week's episode. Well, Derek did tweet something that the the, the cliffhanger was going to be, like, upsetting or something. He, he tweeted some negative adjective. I can't. That, I literally just yeah. threw my pen Maybe in the like, air. Gabby I can't. Gabby on the train tracks and then a train is coming towards her and she's looking down and doesn't see this train and it's going to end. Yeah, I'm <laughs> getting hit by it. I'm trying to get hit by a train Actually, oh my God. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, Actually, don't like, go there. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's even worse that than the factory fire. Though. Literally, even worse than the factory fire. And I'm gonna like throw my pins all over my apartment. Like, 
No. <laughs> God damn it. I love that Ashley just pitched like the darkest Chicago Fire episode of all time. <laughs> yeah, worse than anybody getting blown up or yeah, no. <laughs> oh my god so funny so i think on that note that is an end of today's episode as always you can find us on social media <laughs> facebook twitter instagram we are meet us at molly's you can slide into our dms you can tweet us you can send us facebook messages you can contact us any way except for like carrier pigeon um you can also email us at meet us at molly's at gmail.com please email us Please, please, please. We love to talk to you. We created this space not just for the three of us. We created it for the whole fandom. So get in touch with us. Talk to us. Tell us your theories. If you think that we were super harsh on Casey tonight, tell us. We want to hear it. So, yeah, that's about all we've got. Um, Yeah, get in touch with us on social media. And otherwise, we will see you on Friday for Chicago PD. Everybody have a good week. Bye.